Good morning. This is Reverend Dewana Smith Gatling, and I come to you with greetings from God's House of Salvation, giving you the message for today, September 20th, and it is entitled, When We Have to Just Pick It All Up and Go On With Our Life. I invite you, if you have your Bible or your mobile device, to go to Psalm 23 verses 4 or Psalms 23 verse 4 and if you have your Bible or your device please read along with me yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for thou art with me your rod and your staff they comfort me amen I am speaking to us today. I'm inviting you to examine yourselves. We all have our seasons, and in our seasons, we have our highs, we have our lows, we have our so-sos. You know so-sos. It's okay. Not totally good, not totally bad, just so-so. In this life, we all have gains just as we have losses. Our gains bring us much joy in times of uncertainty. Our losses brings us the opposite. Often our losses can be traumatic experiences. And if I had to pin it scientifically or even spiritually, I, like the writers of the American medical community and the American mental health community would say that sometimes losses can become so so horrific that it can become clinical. If not properly dealt with, it can become a, a, just a nightmare. In fact, many traumatic experiences and particularly around loss, are tragic. I can recall just a few years back when I lost my brother, my only sibling, how traumatic that was. And sometimes traumatic experiences can be deadly. And this was probably one of the reasons why my brother died, because of traumatics in life. Anyway, loss can put us in immediate whirlwinds of darkness and immediate intense of wilderness. While we have all had losses of some degree, some experiences are quite different. Not all losses are the same. That's why we shouldn't say or put a time limit on loss and think that tell people to snap out of it because they really cannot and it's individual. We need to be more like Jesus and be compassionate with people when they're hurting or when they're struggling. Ironically, at every funeral, in every memorial, Psalms 23 23 verses 4 is emphasized. Now turning back to our scripture, Psalms 23 portrays God as a good shepherd, feeding as in verse 1. 
and leading, as in verse 3, his flock. The rod and the staff, as in verse 4, are also the implements of a shepherd. Thus, without the shepherd, the sheep would die either by predators or of salvation, since sheep are known for their helplessness without the shepherd. Now, when we look at the scripture, we think about David. And he was getting older when he wrote the words, which have, which have meant so much to so many people. In this middle section of the songs, he changes from talking about the shepherd who leads and guides and feeds him and waters him and protects him and revives him to addressing the shepherd himself. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Jesus knew that the functional task of the shepherd's rod, which could stun or kill a ferocious beast that was attacking a vulnerable little lamb, while the staff was used to rescue his straying sheep and to count each one as they filed past the comforting shepherd's crook and until the sheepfold of the night. But no matter what danger stopped the progress of the little flock along the pathway, I would fear no evil, for you are with me. Even when passing through the dangers and distresses of the valley of the deep darkness, the valley of the shadow of death becomes the pathway of life and peace to all who follow the good shepherd who gives his life for his sheep. The valley of darkness, when we are in the deepest of the deepest of the darkness, somehow out of the gloom is flooded with light and hope. We are able to prepare, manage, write sermons, cook food, give others encouragement, and on and on, all in the midst of us being deep, 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 deep down in our own sorrow. Have you ever wondered where and how can someone get over this? We all, we want to pin it to they're just strong. They're strong. The answer isn't in man itself. It's in the sun of righteousness, which uh, illuminates the path of, of, um, of Jesus who never disappoints us, who's always there in all of our stresses, who's always in our face, who is right there in all of our losses. And and when things, it feels like life has snatched us away, God is right there to pull us back to safety. The rod and the staff, they comfort us. Jesus is always there. He's always at the center of our joy, even in the midst of our pain and um, hope in our contentment. When we have lost our way, feeling alone, he is our compass and he's our, our heartbeat when we can't beat anymore. So we can see and feel. He is our music. When we cannot hear nor have life. When it is dwindling or spiraling down, Jesus is right there picking us up. 
becomes our song and our joy when we cannot find joy or peace. We cannot smile. We cannot dance. When our bones become dry, Jesus is right there to keep us in mobility. So when we're weak in the sand, he's right there picking us up, carrying us through the sand. Just think about all the times that you just didn't know how. Well, you found a way out. You found a way to say, I do know, because you do know, and that is only Jesus. And that's why we say, praise God, when things are looking good, when things are fine. We always say, praise God, when there's something, a good increase in our life. Praise God, even if it's just $1 in our, that we have received. Praise God, when someone has cooked us a meal, we say, praise God. When the bed is made, praise God. When we get to work on time, praise God. When we have been able to finish a career and retire, praise God. When the children move out, praise God. When they get married, praise God. When they buy a house, praise God. When we go for our medical test and it comes out positive, praise God. We praise God. Because it could have been the other way. So one might ask the question, what does the scripture have to do with us? My answer is a lot. Again, in every part of life, like nature, it has its seasons. We have seasons. We have our falls. We have our spring. We have our summer. And we have our winters. Like the book of Ecclesiastes, it speaks of a time too. There's a time to do different things. In fact, it was written, believed by Jewish writers that after Solomon had turned away from the faith and followed other gods, he repented and came back to the fold and then wrote the book of Ecclesiastes and Proverbs. Ecclesiastes is filled with themes of mortality. Ecclesiastes is pretty determined to keep reminding us that we're going to die. It talks about our our time. The theme of time is pretty closely related to the time of death because death is pretty much just running out of time. Ecclesiastes speaks of folly and foolishness. It speaks of suffering. It speaks of life and existence and consciousness. It speaks of wisdom and knowledge. It reminds us that every time, everything under the sun, under the season, it has a season. It has a time. Everything. There is no life, no life altering experience so great that we should begin to blame others for our falseness. But instead of going in and becoming angry and bitter, that acrimonious kind of inward negative, that passive aggressiveness stuff, Jesus is there to scoop us up and bring us back to total restoration and a sound health and put our, and place our feet on solid ground. And I want you to sit and think about that. Another marvelous thing about this passage is that we sometimes 
overlook how powerful, how gracious, how merciful, how forgiving, how hopeful, and compassionate it is in the times of need, needing comfort. When we say you are strong, no, we're not talking about that. No, we're not talking about that you are strong. We're talking about Jesus is holding you all together, connecting all of your dots, giving you the necessary drive to do your task, to plan and prepare, and dealing with all kinds of people and things in the midst of all of our hurts and sadness. People see us looking healthy and looking all together strong for others. But inside we are screaming and needing help and our mind, body, and spirit is paralyzed from one end to the other. From the, from the trauma and the abrupt stress, we can't even do a flight or fight. All we can do is just be in the mess. But then there's Jesus who gives us the green pastures in all of this madness. He gives us his peace, his still waters. The psalm itself says that he restores our soul. Hear it again in the joyous voice of a child, like a little help from dad. Psalm 23 as a whole is very personal. It doesn't give any references to we or us or they, but only my and me and I and you. This is David's testimony, his personal experience with God. I and other pastors have come to this passage in almost every funeral we preach, in every memorial service, in every celebration of life. So today I'm reminded of the scripture because of the ongoing losses that we've had to encounter, sometimes daily, and with the frequency it's a season of loss. I can tell you, probably by the time this day ends, I have probably written more condolences to offer many condolences than I can think of. And I'm sure you have. So today, your soul may be rattled. You may find yourself as wounded spirits. You may find yourself hurt spirit, lost spirits, and the alike. Regardless of whatever it is, God has something for us to take us onward, being the footprints in our sand when things get, become too much to bear. There is a precious bomb in our wounded souls, and what makes this a constant friend is that it all covers everything of life. Jesus covers everything with simple beauty. It speaks with green pastures and still waters, as well as dark valleys and enemies and adversities. But what comforts us and helps us is the Psalm's confidence. David really believes this about God. We realize as we linger over these words, that's what God, David is writing about. It's not some exaggerated theoretical poetry. It's real life. 
He experienced God in these ways, heard his voice, followed him, led him to better ways, because he cares. Beneath the beauty of his words, there were solid convictions formed in the crucible of crisis. I reason. I know these things to be so about a man who wrote a thousand years before Christ. It's because he has left us clues right here in the Psalms. Notice that in the first three verses, David refers to God in the third person. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down. He leads me. He restores my soul. Then in verses 4 and 5, David shifts, referring to him in the second person. I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me. You anoint my head with oil. And then he closes by referring to the third person. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He, to talking to God with you. And why does it happen in verse 4? Why didn't he just go on to say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for he is with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. He's letting you know. He's suggesting that the change, he, to the more intimate, you, happens in verse 4, precisely because it's there he speaks of the valley he has walked. He has felt the shadows closing in. And in verse 4, it describes the crisis point of his life. And in these times, something deep happens within him and God. And this is something that we can think about for ourselves. You notice it too? We're more prone to talk about God when we are in the green pastures. And more prone to talk to God when we're in dangerous ways. In the light, we are prone to wander off in pursuit of greener grass. But in the dark, we hug him to the knee. Interesting enough, in Psalms 23, David changes from comments about God to communion with God because during his valley time, He stayed ever so close to the shepherd, never taking his eyes off of him. He had experienced God in a way that that he has never ushered toward him in intimacy with God. I can recall when my mother had died, my brother had died, and my husband was in the hospital. and family was scattered. I built my time around God. I believed, ate, and breathed God. And I had my time, my devices on a timer for to pick up scripture. I paid attention to the times 
when my mind would wander off into anger. And I was able to set an alarm so when those times would hit, I could wake up and go to my devices and get scripture, even more so. And I'm sure this, if this, if David was back in, in the, if he was here today, he would do the same. And I invite you to look at yourself. Bear with me for a minute. So like David, like things happen. Stuff happens. Loss happens. We all experience our own valley of the shadow of death or been in deep, deep, dark valleys. But we have a record of David's personal experience that his shepherd would lead him out of the valley Today, when we have, we offer condolences to people, we are speaking not only words of comfort, but what we're giving is what giving words we receive to carry us over the bridge of troubled waters. Remember, the, the shepherd never promised to take him over the valley, around the valley, or to avoid the valley. But, He promised to go with him through the valley. That's why he was able to write about this, his fear. He would not fear evil. He didn't say that he could avoid the evil, but he didn't have to fear the evil because the great shepherd would be with him in the encounter with evil. Yea, though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, the reference is still to the shepherd. Though I walk as I, as I, as one of the flock. Let me say that again. Yea, though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, the reference is still to the shepherd. Though I, as one of the flock, should walk through the most dismal valley, the dead of the night, exposed to the pitfalls, devouring beasts, etc. I should fear no evil under the guidance and the protections of such a shepherd. He knows all the passes, all the dangerous places, all the hidden pitfalls. He knows every nick and cranny, but he's there to bring us out. And as we continue our study of Psalms, for when life hurts, I invite you to a familiar oasis where we will see that God is closer than you think in times of crisis. And my prayer, as I'm giving you this important word from God, is that God becomes so imprinted, his truth in your heart, that you will find your confidence in him and rise above the storm, stormy clouds in your life. 
even as David did. Take a few moments with me this morning to see God's confidence, David's confidence in times of crisis. Number one, God does allow time in the valley. In the first four verses of Psalm 23, David takes the gentle picture of a shepherd with his sheep to describe the relationship he has with us and we with him. Everything makes sense in our understanding of a shepherd leading to his flock, to green and calm waters. Then when we get to verse number four, and it doesn't fit, the valley of the shadow of death conquers thought of a dangerous situation where a sheep's life is in jeopardy unless the sheep is alert and attentive. But why would a sheep be going through such a place? Not because he strayed off in sin. That is not the point here. Because the shepherd is preaching as going with the sheep, not snatching them back to the pasture he left behind. No, the reason the sheep is going through the valley is because the shepherd leads them there. The connections between verses 3 and 4 confirm this. The path through the valley is also through the path of righteousness in which God leads. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. But why would a good shepherd who would lay down his life for a sheep, lead a lamb into a valley filled with danger and death threats. There's only one possible answer to get to some better place. The shepherd knows from past experience that predators like coyotes and bears and wolves and cougars, and we've all had them too, can take cover in these broken cliffs and from their vantage point prey on his flock. He knows these valleys can be subject to sudden storms and flesh and flash floods that send wells of water wrapping down the slopes. There could be uh, rock slides and muds and a dozen other national natural disasters that would destroy or injure his his sheep. But in spite of such hazard, he also knows that this is still the best way to take his flock to the high country. He spares himself no pain or trouble or time to keep an eye out for any danger that might develop. But when you're walking through some unfamiliar valley and the shadows linger, when you have cancer and have to decide whether it would be chemotherapy or some other way, when you're trying to decide as a matter of godly stewardship whether to take your money out of the market or to let it ride, when your finances are tight, and you are taking on yet another job to make ends meet. 
Remember this. Your shepherd has appointed even this hard time as one of his paths of righteousness. He is leading you through the valley for reasons that probably won't be apparent. But rest assured, he is taking you and me to the high country where the sun is warm and the grass is lush. Every valley is a pathway to something better. As Psalms 84 verse 11 says, No good does the Lord, no good does the Lord withhold from those who walk uprightly. Or as Paul puts it, We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. And then also there's Romans 8. 28. The valley isn't good, but the shepherd is. He knows the way. And then also the shepherd has you covered. Church today, the shepherd has you covered. Whatever you feel in today, the shepherd has you covered. Whatever's going on at home, the shepherd has you covered. Whatever the doctor is telling you, the shepherd has you covered. Yes, you have lost, but the shepherd has you covered. David tells us how to be fearless in adversity. He tells us that even in the valley of the shadow of death, he didn't dread the distress he would face or cringe in the face of crisis. How do you fight fear when you don't know what's going to happen next and your imagination is working overtime. How did David do it? David tells us his confidence came from three sources. Number one, he stayed in God's presence. Number two, he saw God's power. And number three, he experienced God's leading. David was supremely confident not only about his present circumstances, but of grace in the future that will see him all the way home. He believed that Valentine's were appointed for his good. He learned things about God that he could no longer learn any other way. He stayed close and trusted in God's protection and guidance all the way, all because he could. Though the Lord was his shepherd. And today I'm telling you, let God be your shepherd. When you find yourself weak in the dark uncertainty of the future, when all the color is drained out of your life and your soul is downcast, I'm telling you to look up. Fix your eyes on Jesus, your good shepherd. Stick close to him. Trust him. He knows the way through this valley and will see you to safety land. Believe that he has good reasons to take you this route, even though it is hard and unfamiliar. And hold on to the truth that there is something better waiting on the other side of this valley. Today we do have the victory. Even though you're still hurting and you're struggling, you have the victory. Don't don't believe that madness of telling you that you don't have anything. You do. You have Jesus. And if you have Jesus, you have the victory. Because Jesus is the way. 
Victory is found through Jesus. Jesus is the one who obtained the victory for everyone who believes. He said in his word, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject of bondage. Jesus had to take on flesh and blood so that he could enter this arena of battle with the devil who had the power of death and put to death death. An unsaved man is in bondage to death. Death is an awful enemy. Death terminates the joy of life. Death seals the opportunity of salvation for the unsaved. But death introduces the unsaved to a state of torment. But through Christ, he rises to victory. There's only one person who can gauge death and take on the battle, and that's Jesus. It tells us in Revelations 1, 17 and 18, And when I saw him, I fell to his feet as dead. And when he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not. I am the first and the last. I am I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. His victory over death and the grave is our victory. His This is what Paul was saying. It is through our in yours and mine, Lord, the one whose authority we are subject to right now. Jesus, the one who came to save us from our sins. Christ, the anointed of God, the Messiah of Israel, and the one through whom the whole plan of God for man is being worked out. Lord Jesus, carry us through. He left us his peace. He left us his word. Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives to you. Do not let your heart be troubled. And do not be afraid. It is the best thing we can do. Is to just yield to him. Just build one on one time with him. Letting him spoon feed us. Let him show us and heal us. The world will hurt at times. But when it does, we can let that word feed us. Hurt, bitter, anger, acrimonious behaviors. You know what I mean. Those kind of things that destroy us. We get old, dirty up. We get old, dried up lose mobility we lose our health we decline in our mental capacities and everything becomes clinical if we go that route but through jesus and his intimate care we can rise we are part of god's body it is in his will that every need that we have will be supplied We, you, 
are all important. Let go, let's go in with confidence and with the total praise that Jesus has our back. So I want you to know that Jesus has your back. Let us pray. Thank you, for you are the good shepherd, the great shepherd of the sheep. And you are my God, shepherd, in whom I trust. Keep all of us in our prey from all dangers that stalk our path. And may I find, and may we all find comfort and protection and provision and peace with you through our life's end. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And the benediction for today as we get ready to close. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And may the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and lift you up in his countenance and give you peace. This concludes our message for today. Please contact us with any comments or any information. Or if you just need prayer, just give us a call. You can inbox us, you can text message, you can call us. And remember, Jesus is Lord, and he loves you, and so do I.